What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Mission Suite podcast. I'm Ian Campbell. I'm CEO of Mission Suite. Welcome to the Insight Series from the Mission Suite podcast. This is a podcast for people who are new to sales, where, where we will be interviewing sales leaders all around the country for insights of the best practices, how to work through struggles, and how to stay motivated to build a more successful sales career. Today, we're here with Colin Strauss, VP of Sales and Installations with of Equipto, and I'm excited to be chatting with him and to learn more about what he's able to bring us. Colin, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks, Monica. Happy to be here today. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. Um, uh, teaching about sales is definitely one of my passions, so uh, the, your, your audience uh, is somebody that I like to talk to. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, tell me a little bit about your current com company. Uh, so at Equipto, we're uh, we're a commercial manufacturer. Uh, we're based in uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, we make um, storage equipment, accessibility equipment, uh, any any type of uh, um, products that you would see in like a manufacturing facility, distribution facility, um, all the way to um, one of the big jewelers out there. We uh, national jewelers or international, I should say. We do the back house storage for all of their jewelry supplies. So. Uh, anything to do with shelving, bulk rack, platforms, workbenches, storage cabinets, that's what we do. Awesome. How long have you been with your company? Um, I've been with Equipto for uh, just a little, almost six years now. It'll be six years next month in August. Uh, and uh, I've, I've been in this industry for uh, going on 28 years now. Um, it'll be 28 years in September. Uh, and uh, Equipto, I've just you know really found a home here in the in in the products we sell, the customers we serve, and and the team that I work with, and uh, it's really been an enjoyable uh, tenure so far. Well, congratulations, twenty eight years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> School of hard knocks, right? <laughs> uh, well, how big is your current sales team right now? Uh, so currently, uh, we have a, a combination team of outside sales, inside sales, uh, and you know I, I like to think of our customer service team as part of our sales team as well. And so uh, we have about uh, 12 strong um, between uh, amongst those groups, and uh, we we work on a regional level. So each uh, outside salesperson is responsible for a geographical territory. Inside salesperson helps support that outside salesperson, and then customer service, of course, interacts. Um, with customers and processes orders, answers questions regarding purchase orders and, and shipping and so on. Um, and uh, the, uh, um, the the average tenure among our team is actually pretty high. Um, uh, it, it's about seven years, which is which is great for a sales team. It's a good mix, though. We've got some uh, some people that have have been at it for as long as I have, of course, and some that are, are fairly new and everything in between. So it's a, it's a great group to work with and keeps me on my toes in terms of teaching and coaching. What type of sales teacher would you say that you are, or uh, a description of the type of sales teacher that you are? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like to 
I do like to lead by example. Uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those VP of sales that's still active in the market. I manage a couple of customer accounts myself. Uh, and uh, I, I like to be engaged and, and definitely involved in, um, not in a micromanaging level, of course, but engaged and involved where the salespeople need to um, help them win deals and, uh, and, and serve the customers. And um, so I would say I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a lead by example type of a type of a leader in the sales sales world. That that's actually the first time I've heard that, which is very interesting to me because there there is a bunch of different types of sales leaders and to lead by example. That's a great way to show your team on how it should be done and also showing that you have experience as well. So being able to relate to your team also. Um, but yeah, that's, I really like that example. I'm also taking some notes from that. Um, yeah, no problem. Um, no, I would agree with you. I mean, I think that, you know, there's, and I, and I'm not, I'm not knocking on the you know, sales training industry in general, but I think there are, you know, there are some programs out there where, um, you know, they'll, they'll emphatically say, you know, sales leaders shouldn't be selling. They should be focused on, um, you know, training their teams or running KPIs, looking at metrics and so on. And, you know, I, there's value in those things, definitely. But um, one of the things that can happen to you as a sales leader, if you are, if you are just in the circle of being a manager or leader or trainer, is you can get out of touch with the market, right? And not realize how um, dynamics have changed from customer to, to uh, distributor or manufacturer. And, you know, over the last probably 10 years uh, at Equipto, so we, you know, primarily do third-party distribution, meaning we're, we're selling to a distributor who's reselling to a customer, right? And that dynamic has changed quite a bit in the last 10 years. I mean, distributors used to be the only methodology for a customer like us to distribute their products. But now it, the customer base, especially the larger companies, have been more insistent upon, you know, direct-to-manufacturer purchasing, right? And, and so that really changes the, the dynamic of not only the distribution path, but, but if, you're, if you're engaged in that with customers, it changes the dynamic of what you have to provide them because you're no longer just producing the product and shipping it to them. You suddenly um, added a whole suite of services that you have to be able to provide. Yeah, so staying in touch with your clients and that type of relationship to actually get the quality leadership um, that you want to give to your team so you're able to relate to what they're doing, which is which is actually a great way to lead a team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the things that Equipto does, and, I, and I've, I've done um, throughout my careers, um, something called high density shelving, which is really, it's, it's, it's shelving that compacts. And so you can, you can save space on a floor. You can condense down the square footage that particular storage needs, right? Well, um, 15 years ago, the, the number one place that where you would sell those products is in the healthcare industry in the hospital for people's medical records and x-ray films and so on and so forth. But with the age of digital, you no longer need those things, right? So that that being the number one market for that product has now become an almost non-existent market for that product. Um, and so if you're, and that's just an example of why, as a sales leader, you need to you need to stay engaged in some way so that 
you're aware of the trends and things that are happening firsthand, right? So that you can help your team adjust to to what's occurring in the market to, so they can continue to be successful. What advice would you give for someone that's first joining your team um, and or first just starting sales? What would be your advice to them? Um, someone first just starting sales, I think, uh, you know, a, a misconception about sales is, is anybody who's who's never been in sales before who's starting out in sales usually has a preconceived notion of what a salesperson is, right? And and a lot of people think car salesmen or uh, or door to door salesmen or something like that, which are you know can be admirable professions for sure. And 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 every part of any industry has has the people that don't do it right. And um and and sales definitely has that as well. But but uh, I would say one of the first things I like to teach sales new salespeople is that number one, um, it, there there's some work involved in sales. It's not just about talking to people until they like you and then they say, okay, I'll buy it. You know, uh, it's not that simple. Um, it it, be, it um, understanding that it could be it could be complex. And as salespeople, we're engaged at every every point of the of the transaction with the customer typically from the point where that customer is discovered that opportunity is discovered to developing the solution to whatever problem we're trying to solve for the customer to the purchase of the product to the getting it to them to the implementation and so on you may have teams that support you along the way but ultimately as a salesperson you're responsible for the outcome for the customer right and so i i like to teach salespeople from the beginning that that they own that process and Again, there may be people that help them execute, but ultimately, um, they, they, I always encourage salespeople to, to own whatever territory or, or geography that they are going to be responsible for, to treat that as their own business and think of it that way. Because really, it, you re it really helps you to be more successful when you, when you look at it from that framework of, I, this, this is my business and I'm going to look at my geography from a, from a profit and loss standpoint and how I manage it. And so getting that mindset with salespeople to understand that it's not just, you know, manipulating uh, or, or, or convincing somebody to buy something far to the contrary, you really have to serve your customers and, and be able to um, uh, provide them with solutions to their problems. Because at the end of the day, and I say this, this often too, most customers in the commercial world aren't looking to to buy a product. Like they don't wake up saying, oh, I wanna buy a workbench today, right? But they have a problem that they need to solve that a workbench can solve, right? So so that's their job. That's the job of a new salesperson is to, to relate to their customer, find out what the problem is that the customer is facing and provide a product or solution that solves that problem. Would you have any resources that you would recommend to kind of explore that a little bit more? Sure, sure. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, training programs out there um, that uh, you can come across, some, some for free, some, some ex um, expensive. I mean, your podcast, for example, is a, is a free resource to people to, to learn some uh, uh, sales training if they're brand new to sales. Um, I think that uh, as a salesperson, Starting out, you should definitely, you know, there's a lot at your fingertips in a, in a web browser, right? Um, if you, uh, so for instance, I believe in uh, LinkedIn is a great tool um, for, for a salesperson to build a network and to, and to connect with people. But it also, one of, the, one of the key things that a lot of people never use uh, when they get involved in it is 
there's these there's groups right and there's a lot of very specific groups on vertical markets and customer vertical markets that you can join and an entire resource of people that are are starting out um, in, or, or have been in the business for a while or or veterans of the business that um, you can you can find as mentors right there right at your fingertips right reading is also another thing that I highly encourage salespeople to do uh, uh, there's a you know there's there's a variety of uh, of debate about what the best 10 sales books are and everybody would have their their top 10 list um, but one of one of my one of my favorite books is um, think and grow rich I think that's one of the uh, that's a that's a uh, a sales book that every salesperson should read, um, and then also when it comes to the training and stuff that that's out there, one of my favorite methodologies is the uh, Miller Hyman um, sales strategy. Um, I I like that that um, ideology a lot because it focuses on the customer relationships and 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 being able to determine you know who it is you're working with and what's important to them for you to be able to move the process forward. Uh, so when you are leading your team and you're giving these resources out and being able to lead them to some of their answers, I mean, <laughs> we're all human, right? And we don't all have the answers and you can definitely help where you can. Is there anything specific that you usually tell your team when they're having a tough time uh, with their sales? Sure. Yeah. Um I, I always say, uh, you know, I mean, one thing about sales that you learn or if you if you get involved in an industry and you're and you're not in the sales component and that you move to it um, is that the reason why a lot of people are drawn to sales is because, uh, you know, if you're if you're good at it, it can it can be fairly financially rewarding. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, with but at the same time, even the best salespeople, I mean, think about a major league baseball player, for instance. Major League Baseball player that bats 350, right? Meaning they hit the ball one out of three times that they get to the plate, right? Would be paid millions of dollars as a superstar adding 350, right? So if if you can attain a close rate of closing one out of every three opportunities that you have in your pipeline, that's rock star status, right? As, as, as for a close rate of being able to do that. And many people in the beginning when they first start in sales they get uh, they get hung up on that one deal or or you know I really need to close this one or that one and so on, and um, for me I, you know I I I don't I don't subscribe to the it's a numbers game that a lot of people say I think that that's a very generalistic statement that doesn't mean a lot um, it it can mean a bunch of different things is part of the problem with that but um, you know part of your effort as a salesperson is to is to build a, a healthy pipeline and. You never, you can never be dependent upon one customer, one project, one opportunity. You've got to have a diverse pipeline that you you focus on building, and it can take some time. A brand new salesperson starting out, even if uh, you know if if, if a the salesperson is an experienced salesperson coming to a new company, it will still take them time to acclimate, build their pipeline. It's not an instantaneous um, type of situation, right? So don't be discouraged by the no's, as as I like to say, because you have to take the no's to get the yeses. Right, um, and every no for me is a learning opportunity, and and that's that's an important aspect of of what salespeople go through to build their knowledge and their sales repertoire. Every time you get a no, you want to find out why, and you don't want to you don't want you don't want to ask why in a negative way. You want to you want to ask why in a positive way of you know could you give me one thing that I might have been able to do differently that may have changed the outcome? Asking the customer, engage with the customer, and asking those questions. 
Um, you know, was it pricing? Was it what we were offering? Was it our lead time? Was it the quality? Was there something about my presentation that, that changed your mind? Um, so that you can take that away as a, as a lesson of something you can change and improve upon. And that becomes really valuable information beyond what you may have may or may not have made on that sale. And so learn from everything that you do when you first start out, pay attention to what customers say, how they react to what you do. And if something isn't working, look to look to make an adjustment until you start to see better success. So you said something that I'm curious about. So you said a healthy pipeline. What what qualifies a pipeline as healthy? Ah, okay, that's a great question. Um, you know, the, the, the percentage of the ratio is probably going to vary from industry to industry. I, most of my career has been spent on this industry. So, you know, I, I don't know a lot, for instance, about what pipelines look like if you're doing SaaS or, you know, something like that, or, or if you're selling um, services. Uh, I've always sold products. And so, uh, you know, healthy pipeline in, in my eyes, um, with, it, there's, there's a few different ways that you can, you can categorize it. One is your ratio of opportunities in your pipeline versus what you expect to, to book or your forecast of closed business, right? That's the first thing. Um, so on our team, uh, those that uh, are going to be successful in hitting their goal for the year are gonna have a pipeline that's about four to one of whatever they expect to, to uh, complete the year at, right? So if they expect to sell a million dollars, then they should have $4 million in their pipeline. Um, the other thing that for me that classifies the healthy pipeline is, is the phasing of what's in your pipeline. So again, in our industry, we, we do uh, a more, uh, our, our sale is not transactional typically where, you know, transactional meaning you talk or meet with a customer once and then you, you have an, an order or you close a deal. Um, our, ours is more complex sales where we're multiple meetings with the customer um, and a process to which we build. And the sales cycle can be long at times. So a healthy pipeline means that I've got, I've got sales towards the bottom of, that, the, of the pipeline or the, or the bottom of the funnel, if you will, that are ready to become orders. I've got, I've got sales opportunities in the middle of that funnel that are, are near term, but not quite ready to become an order. And then I've got opportunities that are at the top of that funnel or in that pipeline that are longer term that I'm working on to move them to the middle or the bottom of that, that funnel. And then the total volume of that as it relates to, you know, what you're trying to achieve from a forecast standpoint, you, you take those factors in and if all is good, you got a healthy pipeline. So you were saying like the different types of your pipeline. So what, where those clients or uh, potential clients are located inside of your funnel, do you maintain a number that you try to aim for to keep all those spots filled within the funnel? Sure. Yeah. Try. <laughs> Getting salespeople to update your pipeline consistently is tough. Um, you know, most salespeople want to be out in the field in front of customers, you know, finding their opportunities or on the phone, dialing for dollars, whichever it may be. Right. Um, but uh, um, it, the, I think it's really important. Um, two things that, that salespeople miss a lot. One, one is that the health of your pipeline is going to dictate the success of your of your forecast and your bookings, right? If you have a weak pipeline or you don't have enough opportunities in there, all you have to do, all, all that needs to happen is for one of those to go sideways and suddenly your forecast is wrecked, right? Yeah. So, so the, the 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 aspect of the it's a numbers game, and I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, but uh, the aspect of that is you got to have enough opportunities to where you're not dependent upon something closing, right? 
um, then uh, the uh, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Monica, can you repeat the question real quick? <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, so, is there a number? Uh, let's see. So, is there a specific number each stage that you try to aim for? So, each potential client yeah. is inside of inside of that funnel is like each stage have their own individual number that you try to keep those filled so you can hit sure. those goals. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So usually when you, you look at and and if you if you quickly you know search on your favorite search engine on a web browser, whatever that may be, if you if you if you search sales funnel, the reason why it's called a funnel is because of that shape. It's larger at the top and it gets smaller as it goes down. Mm -hmm. And so the, the the tendency is that those three groups that I talked about, the, the top of the funnel is a larger group, the middle of the funnel is a bit smaller than the, than the top group, and the bottom group is, is the smallest group that's ready to fall through in order, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it depends on the average size of your order. Um, in some in some companies or, or in some products and, and services, you know, the average order size might be a million dollars, right? Um, in some industries, the average order size might be $75. Um, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish for total sales versus your average order size and how how many orders or you would have to close and or win to achieve that. So uh, if you've got a, a big number and your average order size is small, then you need thousands of opportunities in your pipeline. If you've got a big number and your average order size is large, you don't need as many. But again, you don't want to be dependent upon that one cell, you know, going through um, because Every time you, you're in that position where you feel like, oh, I got this one on lock, I'm gonna close this giant order, my forecast is golden, no problem. That's when you know something comes down the street sideways that you didn't anticipate and that deal goes south and you don't know why. What would be your advice to filling up your sales funnel? I mean, uh, a little bit of where to prospect specifically in your industry. Sure. Um, you know, there's, there's a few avenues for it. The one that, uh, and, and I'm, I'm definitely not pitching this in any way, but I've, the, the, one of the avenues I've found most useful in the last few years is LinkedIn sales navigator. Um, I, I, I really like that as a tool because it provides a, a couple different mechanisms for salespeople. Number one, um, and I was just relating this to a salesperson the other day. Obviously I started out in this industry a while back. Um, and when I started, we, we, it wasn't even regular for salespeople to have cell phones. We had pagers um, and, and we shared a computer in our office that had one email address to give you an idea. I'm not old, I swear, um, but <laughs> um, I started young, very young. Um, anyway, uh, the, the, uh, the, in those days, if you were aware of a company or an opportunity, you really had to search multiple sources to find out you know, just to find the person that you need that you needed to get to, right? Who's the who's the person that would be the decision maker on that opportunity, um, or even oh, there's a company going in there. How do I figure out what company is going into that construction space there that's happening? Well, nowadays, of course, you have all that information right at your fingertips, right? And you can yeah. find it quickly. You can find you know copious amounts of lists of customers and their contacts within it. Well, LinkedIn gives you the opportunity to. Um, from, from that aspect to drive, you know, directly to that customer, introduce yourself and, and tip for those that use LinkedIn for selling, 
be direct and relatable to that customer about what it is you're trying to do and don't don't send them you know coy little messages about how their product can save them a billion dollars when you don't know anything about their company um, and uh, but also the thing that sales navigator provides you is the ability to build lists of companies that you don't know right so uh, for a salesperson in our company that that is brand new into a geographical territory um, through the combination of using our CRM of what exists as well as LinkedIn Sales Navigator, they can really build themselves a strong list of potential customers that they're not currently working with. And from there, you can really drill down and research, you know, who's at that company? What are their activity levels? Do they use LinkedIn at all? Or do I need to approach them in a different way? Um, so it's a great starting point to get your homework done on who you should be calling on, knowing that you can pull by industry and customer and see all the people that are within those companies. It's just a, it's a really great tool. I mean, if I had had that when I started out years ago, my goodness, um, you, you, cause you would spend hours and hours and hours trying to find that kind of information back then, you know? And, uh, and so having it at your fingertips like that, I'm always like, man, you guys should be doing, you should have nonstop sales. You can't even keep up with them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I, I'm feeling spoiled now. Uh, you know, I don't have to do like this an intense research to find just the CEO of the company or the yeah. owner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, plus, you know, nowadays you can email all 500 of them at the same time, right? So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we used to go. You know, you still and 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 from a from a from a ground level, there's there still are things in communities and territories where you can join networking groups. Um, you can become um, you can become a member of trade associations. Um, but really, you know, uh, uh, another great piece of advice for a new salesperson is is learn the industry that you're calling on. Right? It's not just about knowing your products; it's knowing how those products fit into the products or services, I should say, fit into the industries you're calling on. Right? So. Um, one of our salespeople, for instance, lives down in, in the Southwest in, in, in Texas, and he knows a tremendous amount about the oil industry, right? And so when he goes and calls on those customers, he's aware of how our products interact with their industry, how we can help them, the problems we can solve. And so it's not relying on the customer, you know, by sitting in front of them and say, okay, what do you need? Really kind of pulling from them, how is it that I can help you? Tell me about some of the challenges you're facing and knowing the industry you can come to that conclusion much quicker. Right? Yeah, so not even just knowing specific, specifically your industry, but your ideal client's industry as well and exactly how you can help them in figuring yep. out those solutions. Absolutely. That <laughs> actually never really thought about that. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, of course, like I know like, certain industries and pretty vaguely but to actually look into a little bit more to see how else we can help specifically that is mind-blowing to me sure, sure. Um, well you know think of the example of like when somebody comes to buy a car so we talked earlier about you know the stigma of the car salesman right but when somebody comes to buy a car if the if, if a car salesperson is doing their job right then they should find out what's the activities that you're buying a car for. You know, do you need a car, a truck, a van? 
Do you need, are you towing anything? Do you, do you take a boat to a lake? Um, do you have a bunch of kids? You know, do you take your pets somewhere with you? Do you like to go out to the, to the, in, into the mountains and drive four wheel drive, or do you stay on the street? Do you like to go fast? Are you concerned about luxury and handling, you know, all those things, right? So getting to know that customer's needs allows you to put them in the right car. Well, it's the same concept with somebody buying, you know, software, a workbench, shelving, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a phone, <laughs> you know, what are you going to use it for, right? So, so getting to that why for the customer, the why is more important than, than it, it or it's probably the, the most critical part of why of, of them buying the product because the why is what drives them to buy, right? So, if if you know the if you know the aspects of of their their business as much as you can or how their business works, it really helps you to understand more what their needs might be before you even get there. That's a perfect example. I I really like that. Why are you buying a new car? What happened to your old one? What are you going to be using it for? But really asking yeah. those discovery questions on how exactly you can help them uh, and to figure out exactly what else you can. I mean, you can probably figure out some other ways other than what they're exactly looking for or even if they are looking for anything specifically. I, I really like that. <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right, Monica. By knowing their industry, you can ask them questions too. Because, you know, if, 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 a, customer, if a customer knows their industry, some things don't always come to the top right away when you're having a conversation with them. But if you say, well, um, do, do you find that you, you ever struggle with this, this type of situation? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have that, that, that problem or that challenge, you know. And I, I think sales is not really about selling products. It's about solving solving problems for your customers. And that's an old, that's an old adage. And, and some people believe maybe old way of thinking, I, I believe it still works. And you put the customer first, you put the, 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 uh, the problem that the customer has that you're trying to solve it ahead of selling the product. The product ends up selling itself when you solve the problem. That, that's blowing my mind right now. Uh, <laughs> of just being well, I'm happy. yeah <laughs> I, I mean I think that's what 28 years of experience of sales does right <laughs> being able to share that with others that sure yeah <laughs> the trial and error yeah yeah I've tried things that didn't work and I've tried things that have worked and I've, I've kept the things that worked and kept on you know putting them in my toolbox <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Colin, for joining me today. I, uh, you blew my mind with this conversation. So I really do appreciate you giving the time to do this interview today. No, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to, to um, talk with you and for being on here today, Monica. And, uh, you know, if I, if I could leave with, uh, um, with, with one word of advice for salespeople, it would be, um, you know, don't, don't let the no's knock you out of the game because every, every no that you take is one more step towards getting a yes. I love it. And to all of you listening, thank you for being with us. Make sure to give us a rating and a review and let us know how we're doing and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks so much for checking out our episode today. I really hope you found it valuable and got some good takeaways from it. If you did, do me a favor, subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcasting app and leave a review to let us know how we're doing. 
If you'd like to learn more about Mission Suite, check us out at www.themissionsuite.com and there you'll find educational resources and information about our platform. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube and be a part of the conversation. And we'll be back soon. Cheers. Thank you.